the highest state of spiritual intelligence or mind mastery is to welcome all things. So as you welcome all things and you get back to training and you're running and there's the judgment, it's a, oh, I see you judgment. Okay. It's not immediately buying into that judgment as truth, which then we identify with it and that creates suffering. So it's being the observer, and she knows these words, it's being the witness, Melissa, to the tendencies of your mind stuff. Now that said, what we resist persists. So if we don't want the judgments, if we don't want the negative thoughts, we're going to have those things until we realize that welcoming those things is actually our ticket out of them. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm here with BJ, and this is our September O Show. It's the Open and Honest Show, and we have some really good questions today to dive into that I really think like encompass so much of what Yogi Triathlete is all about, and it has so much to do with mindset, both training, racing, and then things that we traverse as humans on this planet with families and uh, and goals and egos and all that stuff. It's good. So thanks for sending in those questions. We'll get to that. Um, we're just coming off of Ironman 70.3 Santa Cruz. And I feel like I have spent the last... So today is Friday and we got home like early Tuesday morning about 1 a.m. And I feel like what I've been doing since 1 a.m. on Tuesday until really just moments before we hit record is is eating bread. I just can't get enough bread. I can't get enough bread. I went to the new vegan Jewish deli, got bagels, was eating like more than one of those a day and scones. And then you got bread. We got Prangers. bread at the farmer's market. Yep. Then you just came home with another loaf of bread. We just had avocado toast. Mm. So I am just loving me all the carbs right now. But I love recovery week. And you want to speak a little bit about Recovery week, why that why it's important to recover, but also to keep momentum moving forward. Yes. Hi Beach. Yeah. Say hi. Hi. It's good to be here again. Um yeah, recovery week. It's not the week. Let's say, let me tell you what it's not. It's not the week to just like tip off uh after the race and do absolutely nothing. Um even if this is the last race of the year and you want to feel like, um, or you feel like this is it, like you just want to sit on the couch and, and veg out. I think it's super important, not only for the recovery of the body, like the physical body, like to keep it moving, but also for the mind, like to release all this um, investment that you just put into one day, this one particular race, um, to get back out there and, and really just move the body in an easeful way. None of it is intense. So how I normally treat a week is right after the race, next day, swim and bike. Um, swim super easy, 30 to 45 minutes in a pool or the ocean or a lake, um, preferably without a wetsuit so your body can adapt uh, or can recover a little bit better with some cooler therapy if the water's colder. And then hop on the bike. And all of these things, I want to say, will probably feel stiff at first. They're going to feel stiff. When we first did it, I remember, was it Cozumel? I can't remember when the first day was that we really embraced this process. But anyway, I just felt like stiff at first. But now as I do these after more and more races, it feels, it doesn't feel bad. So good. So good. Um, so yeah, and then the rest of the week, it's really just yoga, swimming, and biking. Um, and the last thing that I incorporate is running, and we're actually going to run today. So this is Friday. It'll be the first run since Sunday, so we've done four days of no running. I don't feel like I've lost anything. I actually feel like I'm getting fitter uh, in that respect. Well, that's what I've noticed too. So we know like the stress, stress, rest, adapt recipe. It's tried and true, but it also applies to races. Because there's a huge stress that happens at the race. And then if we 
rest, we will adapt. But rest, like you said, doesn't mean just laying on the couch and doing nothing. Your body was meant to move. Muscles were not meant to just hang from the bones. They were meant to contract and relax um, so that we can move the body. We were meant to move. And since we started this years ago, like, and I can't really remember how I felt years ago, but I can tell you how I feel this week. I can remember how I felt after Oregon and the re- the recent races that I've done through active recovery. It's like I feel so strong right now. I feel so I feel stronger than I did a week ago. I can still feel a little bit of the race in my hip flexors. I can feel a little bit of the race, you know, in fatigue. Been um, giving the body a little bit more sleep this last week, but I in in the process of recovering, this strength, this new level of strength is rising up. And I don't believe that you can experience that if you're not doing the active recoveries, workouts, the active recovery workouts. Yeah, I'm feeling strong. Too. I feel, yeah, and we talked about it this morning, like this sense of like, oh, I feel, I feel solid, like integrated. Integrated is a good word. I feel integrated. I don't feel like loosey, like things aren't jiving. And I think, I think a pool is the is a good environment for that. As you start to swim, and these recovery swims, you're swimming slower. You need to be more engaged in the body because as you swim fast, things tend to go to the wayside. Like you're able to swim fast, and it masks a lot of the things that happen in the body. But when you swim slower, you have to get hyper focused on moving the body in a way that's nice and smooth. So it's extra, extra mental energy. And so when we swam yesterday, I actually did a few little progression 100s and I felt already, that was Thursday, three days after the race, four days, four days after the race, I already feel like I could get back to swimming. But I, I put myself in that scenario in the pool because we've swam every day of, doing the recovery, doing the necessary things, and then seeing how the body feels, engaging, be there, be a witness, be a participant, not a witness, be a participant in that swim and see where it takes you. And today, I, I, we were talking earlier, I just feel really strong from that race. I I'm, I'm feel like I'm recovered and I feel like I got a big bank of fitness. And I think like looking at whatever your belief is around what recovery is after a week, like look at that. Because without the belief in line, the action is going to be a lot harder to take. So, so there can be a mindset of, of the rest after a week of like, I deserve this. I deserve to do nothing. And you, you, you don't. You don't deserve to and do nothing. I deserve to eat this way, which is why you probably don't feel so good if you're not making Well, and choices. I think just that idea of like, I deserve this is like, I've been doing all of this so I can get something that I deserve, right? And isn't that attachment to the fruits of your actions when really what you deserve is like what you're receiving all the time through the sacrifice, the challenge, the ease, the flow, the joy of what it is to live this life of an endurance athlete that we don't want to do it so that we can like break ourselves down so much and go, oh, well now I deserve this. I deserve this ice cream. I deserve, you know, to do nothing. I deserve to, um, you know, make up time. And, you know, there's another piece of recovery too that you want to look at your belief around it is, is the week after a race a time for you to like catch up on everything because you were focused on the race? That doesn't really serve you either because that's going to create a lot of stress. And it also reinforces this, like, we got to keep doing, 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 doing. And I think that there's a great opportunity for athletes in the week after a race where they can really step into this active recovery where it's not all or nothing, um, but they're doing a little bit every day. So for me, it's like swimming and yoga. Typically, I don't run. I don't know. It's not my favorite thing. I don't think it's my body's favorite thing. That's my belief around it. Uh, So I take some time off from that. We did a little bit of biking, but I just love... Um, doing a little more meditation, yoga every day, sometimes twice a day. And it's just like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, um, and then keeping the body moving. And like I said, that strength that like rises up through the layers and you're, oh man, it's like, it's like you have a new body, right? Our bodies are always changing. We're either getting 
more fit or less fit. There's really, that's kind of what it is, right? But the same thing with the mind, right? Like if you're going to drop off your meditation, you're going to lose your mental fitness. If you drop off of, you know, if it's a two, three weeks after a race of not doing anything, you're going to lose that fitness for sure. But there's a way where you can sew in and integrate some just small movements throughout the week that does not have the demand of time that was required to get to the race, but that you will step into this higher level of fitness because of just a little bit of work. Can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this week after a race in recovery time, you have that space to look over or recap what you did in the race and if there's any lingering thing that you're holding on to, to work on setting that free or to get to the depth of why you're hanging on to it. So if you didn't have the race performance, you're going to go through the recovery week, you're going to want to, for most of us type A athletes, we want to push, we want to get back out there. Well, I didn't hit my pace, well, I got to do more work, right? More, 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 harder, harder, harder. And I think it's that low low workout intensity that allows you to be with yourself, to be to to work through what it is that you're attached to that may not have happened on race day. But isn't like the the way we're recommending you handle a recovery week, isn't that the way that you'll be able to push harder, harder, harder? Because Absolutely. you're actually going to be at a higher level of fitness. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so. the, the attachment too. I mean, that's a whole other thing, right? Like we get to look at like, what are we hanging on to? Like- but oh, I are worked the, so hard and I didn't stickers, hit my pace. And, are the stickers oh, yeah, still on the bike? <laughs> or in your helmet. Oh, yeah. We, were, <laughs> we went for a bike ride the other day and we took a selfie and I realized I still had my number on my helmet. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm guilty of it too. Um, but I did quickly take it off because it looks a little silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so get the numbers off. Get the, Throw the bib away. You don't need it. It's like, a part of you now. Like, move on. It's a on. part of you now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you were a different person before that race. And now that race is in you. It's in your soul. It's it's a part of your journey here on earth. Like you don't need to hang on to the material things um, to to ensure that, you know, this memory, like you can let go of all of it because it's a part of you and you're different now because of it. And so where do you want to go from here? That's really the only thing that matters. Where do you want to go from here? Yeah. I feel a sense of fire personally from the race, you know, I don't feel a low. I feel actually feel a high, like I'm super excited and stoked for what I learned about myself in the race. Which was, wait, finish your sentence first. Well, what I learned in the race and then apply it with an eagerness and a curiosity and excitement about the races that I have to go not getting too deep into any particular race because there's always going to be races. I can't remember where I talked about it, but it's the, it just, it's the, it's a mirror. All these races are just mirrors. They just show you what you can work on. That's really what it is. Uh, if you get it right, man, you're awesome. If you got, if you get it 100% on race day, you're awesome. I have yet to have that happen. Um, there's always something, but I always am pulling away learnings and lessons and, and things to work on. So yeah, well, for me, I just, you know, I'm on the right path. I'm not going to change too much. I really firmly believe the things I'm doing are making me faster. It just is a matter of what happens on race day. What shows up. That's all. I know my time will come. And now you're heading into Kona. Kona's coming. I'm in a Kona's coming up quick. It's so like, quick. It's like that that car on the highway. Twenty all days. Of a sudden you're like, whoa, that car is like in my back seat. <laughs> As of today, twenty days. And it seems shorter because we're going to be in Maui. We're leaving from right. Maui like a week from Monday. Right. And we just raced. Or I just raced. I had this realization today that all the coaches, the YT coaches, with the exception of Linda, Daniel, Liz, me, and you are all going to be on retreat in Maui. So the team has to step up. They've got to. They've got to take it from here. We're gonna be we're gonna be off the grid for five days. <laughs> We've trained you well. You, you are now in charge of Yogi Triathlon. Uh, when in doubt, go easy. I love it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Should we dive into questions? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. 
First question comes from Melissa. Melissa is a triathlete. She was with us actually in Costa Rica this year, which is amazing. She is definitely an awake athlete, a yogi triathlete. And uh, so she reached out to us on Patreon. Thank you, Melissa. She's one of our patrons on Patreon, which keeps this podcast commercial free. I love it. Uninterrupted stream, peeps. Okay. How do you balance using the body as a tool to look within, outside of the ego, and letting go, with then turning on the ego full bore during races or training? I'm taking a few months off try training, meditating like crazy, and now I want to re-enter with a better sense of balance. I find my ego getting carried away during training blocks and want to practice just letting each workout or race be what it is without so much judgment, but also maintain my goals. Let me know your thoughts. You have to think about that one because she wants to not use the ego, like kind of put the ego on the shelf for a little while and correct me if I'm wrong, but then call upon the ego when it's needed in, in, on race day. Right. So, well, okay. So let's, let's have a, a quick one-on-one on the ego. So the ego is nothing that we're ever going to get rid of as long as we're in a body. It's our uniqueness and it carries our personal will. So the ego is so necessary. I needed my ego to get out of bed this morning. I need my ego right now to be like moving my hand in the air because I need will to take all actions. Now, there are other faculties that are involved with what it takes to make an action, whether that's a thought or a movement. And that is further uh, down the chapter line in the Gita. So if you're interested in that, read the Gita and um, it will tell you what is involved in action. And if you're in the Awake Athlete community, we will get there. But will is one of those pieces. And so the ego carries the will. And so I totally get this. And I feel like uh, knowing Melissa um, I see a lot of myself in Melissa, especially at her at her age. She's younger than me, and I see I see this younger version of myself who's like very driven, um, and um, and this idea of like you know I'm going to meditate my face off, and you know I really she has a really strong drive to be the master of her mind, and I applaud that. And that takes ego, that takes will, and. Um, so I've done very similar things. I mean, there's been in the past almost two decades of being in a an endurance athlete, I have taken a total of two years. I can't remember the years. Like I think one was 2010 and there was another year in there where I just didn't do triathlon. I didn't train for triathlon. I just did yoga, walking, and meditation. And those were times almost like when we do a swim block or a bike camp or something like that where you're going in. It's like you're going into a mental training camp. And I took a break from the physicality of of, of what was needed for me to be a triathlete in the physical sense. So where I, I'm interpreting where this is is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into this mental block. I'm doing all this meditation now. I want to enter back into triathlon and I just don't want to have the judgment anymore. Like that's her, she wants to be balanced and she doesn't want to have to deal with all the judgment. But the thing is, Melissa, is that the judgments are going to be there and your ability to have a higher sense of balance and be free of the judgments is in how you are responding to them when they show up. So the highest state of spiritual intelligence or mind mastery is to welcome all things. So as you welcome all things and you get back to training and you're running and there's the judgment, it's a, oh, I see you judgment. Okay. It's not immediately buying into that judgment as truth, which then we identify with it and that creates suffering. So it's being the observer, and she knows these words. It's being the witness, Melissa, to the tendencies of your mind stuff. Now that said, what we resist persists. 
So if we don't want the judgments, if we don't want the negative thoughts, we're going to have those things until we realize that welcoming those things is actually our ticket out of them. So the more you just allow those things to be there and you're going to have a higher sense and ability to do this because of the time that you just put into all that stillness and quiet, you have tuned yourself to a deeper level of calm, that's going to translate into the training. So you will, my, my, um, prediction is that your those old tendencies are going to show up because those patterns are still there. And the only way to rid yourself of those patterns is to be right up, up in your face and personal with those limitations. But from the work that you keep doing every day in this block of meditation that you've been in, you're going to bring a heightened level of awareness that you didn't have before. So just like Beej and I were just talking about this higher level of fitness that you get after a race, if you do these active recoveries, like I'm a different person now because I did that race. It's a part of me now. You are going to be a different person when you come back to your full-time training because of that mental block of work that you did. Um, but you have to keep it up because if you don't keep up with the meditation, you will lose that mental fitness and you will fall back into the patterns that drove you to the cushion to begin with. So you have to really be awake and ready, but know that the only time you're going to be free of the judgment is just when the judgment shows up, don't engage with it. And so a, a tool that I used um, on my path was just when it would come up and I would see it, whatever it is, let's say it's a judgment about myself or someone else, I would say, literally, I see you, but I don't live that way anymore. I see you, I don't live that way anymore. I see you, I don't live that way anymore. And then I would just shift into my breath, into my footstep, into something that was happening right now, because that judgment is just a habit of the past showing back up. And as you, you disidentify with those judgments by not giving them your attention or believing that they're true, th those habits are going to fall away because you're not fueling them. Your fuel is what's keeping them alive. Your focus is the invitation to what expands in your life. So it would be super cool if you could just like do all this meditation and then come back to training and like not have the old patterns show up, but that's not how it works. You can't skip a step. So those old patterns are going to be all up in your face. Probably they could actually be louder than ever. You're going to see more. Actually. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. You're probably going to see more. They're going to be like all up in your grill and they're just going to be so convincing. And that, my friend, is where the work is done. That's where the difference is made. And that's the, that is what, um, really allows an athlete to be the master of their mind. Like this is the game changer. It's right there when you, it's all up in your grill. Yeah. I, th that's, I don't know if I can top that. It's in the, it's in, it's participating in the moment when this comes up that you can, is the only moment that you can make change. It's that moment. It's, it's also like what we were talking about before with, you know, traffic is always happening right now. Traffic is happening. It's happening right now, right over here on the five, the traffic is happening. But when you get frustrated and irritated in traffic, what's the thing that changed? You actually inserted yourself into the traffic. You <laughs> put yourself in the traffic. So with Melissa and triathlon, you can go away and meditate, but triathlon's still happening. People are still getting frustrated on race day. Things are challenging. Italy just got canceled, or I think, because of weather. Like All these things are still happening. When you insert yourself back into triathlon, nothing has changed with triathlon. It's just your reaction and perspective of triathlon. And yeah, and how you and how you 
navigate. So all those judgments and those things that you dealt with in the past, they're just dormant right now. Yeah, they're, 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 they're there. just they're just sleeping. They're <laughs> right. they're like they're sleeping. They're all cuddled up, and they're like, oh, okay. When she goes back to when she goes to do that one run workout that really used to get her, that's when we're gonna come alive, right? They're all just like cozy and sleeping right now, but you will see what's still activated within you. And this is why you, this is why you do these tests, key workouts, uh, races, because you put yourself in the environment to see how well you're navigating. It's a, it's a test. It's basically a test, constant test of how you're doing. I was just thinking if, if and Melissa, if you're somebody that likes to see, um, like, okay, what's the progress? Like, what, what's the, what's the, what is, what is the, the ROI of that meditation block I just did? Uh, I would really reflect upon workouts, like workouts that maybe you would have, um, you know, experienced judgments or gone too hard, not followed the plan. I don't know if you do that, but like, are you really going easy on your easy days or, or are you going a little bit harder to keep up, keep up with somebody or, you know, to make sure you can do the distance, things like that. And then what I would do is after you do these workouts, I would reflect on, how you responded to those things that showed up and perhaps how would you have responded one year ago? And I think that when we start to look at, you know, things like that, we get to see the growth that we're in. Um, I mean, I've definitely done that. And, and I think it's so common, right? Like I, the first thing that people will say to me as they begin to meditate and stuff is there's two things. It's either grocery store or traffic where they'll be like, you know, something happens or somebody's writing a check at the grocery store, which apparently is like totally unacceptable or you're in traffic or somebody cuts you off and they're like, I would have freaked out and I didn't. So those are really um, important milestones to really celebrate and then move on, like let it go, celebrate and move on because there's going to be something else that's going to make you grow stronger. Yeah, you don't say like, stronger. I got through the traffic. Oh my God, I didn't freak out. I did it. I'm, I'm cured. No, because there'll be another thing that comes up. So it's just asking you to, it, the universe is throwing you a bone. It's saying, okay, you're going in the right direction. All right, you did well this time. Great, awesome. Now it's going to happen. What happens in your reaction when this happens again? Well, what happens like, how are you going to respond? And then it's again and again and again until you work out all the karma on whatever it is you have with traffic so that you just don't see traffic anymore. And I know you and I, we have that with, we, we moved to California. Everybody was like, traffic's going to be so intense, going to be like, so much. And we just don't see traffic. traffic. So, <laughs> And in the times that we do, sometimes there is a little bit of traffic, but it, but the difference is like, it doesn't, it doesn't bother us. No, we were actually finding this fun alternate route through these back roads and playing <laughs> with Apple Maps and Google Maps, like pitting themselves against each other because they weren't they were underperforming to our expectation. <laughs> and navigating this traffic out of Santa Cruz, which took us an hour, and then we cruised through LA with no traffic at all. So we're just having fun with with um with whatever the scenario is by shifting and pivoting and and looking at it all from a 10,000 foot view saying, hey, we're just little blips, this little car is just one little tiny car in this big um, circle that's, you know, just spinning through the, the universe. Yeah. And this and the, no effort is a waste. So this this block of meditation that you did, Melissa, is like super valuable, super valuable. And you are a different person because of it. You are vibrating at a higher level because of it. But the only way to play the game is to play the game. The only way to win the game is to play the game. And and it's not and it's this game of life actually can only be played. And so you're gonna always play it. But the things that had a strong hold on you before will not continue to have a strong hold on you. And and if you think about that, like limitation, judgment, um, you know, not following the workout plan, not trusting, things like these things that like had a hold on you were keeping you captive. And that is the ego. That is the lower self. That is the untrained ego. And the only way to train the ego is when it shows up 
like it's the boss and you go with so much kindness, by the way, this is very, very important, relentless gentleness, like, oh, hey, ego, hi, I totally see you, totally see you, you're not the boss anymore. Like you're just, you're not the boss anymore and it's totally fine. I see you trying to keep me safe. You're amazing. You're trying to keep Melissa, Melissa. You're trying to keep Melissa, you know, reaching her goals and, you know, frankly, running faster than other people and biking faster and swimming faster than other people. And I see all of that, but there's a way that I can do this that is not, that does not cause suffering. And so I think that leads to the second part of Melissa's question, which is like, how do you turn it on during races? And so both the two of us are just coming off a race. Like, how does your ego show up at a race or how do you maneuver with it throughout the day? Yeah, that's, you got to think about that one. I think, and chime in if I'm getting this right or like where, where your perspective is on it. Like when I, when I line up on the, when I line up in the swim now, I expect to be in the front and I expect to go out strong and I expect not to have any panic attack and I expect to have a fast swim. So that's my ego. I would say that's on board that says, yeah, this is you go, you definitely walk up to the front. You definitely go out strong. You definitely don't stop and you definitely have a fast swim. Yeah, your will. So that's the so your the, will to achieve what you want. So the ego is working that way. Then, you know, there are moments of of um, let's talk about the run where I think I was two miles in and I I just didn't have the paces that I was here. People love this. The paces <laughs> that I was running in training leading into the race were not showing up. Where were? I don't. They no were. Idea. They, you left them back here on <laughs> the coast, on the rail trail. You did not take them to Santa Cruz. They did not. So, what do you do in that situation? Well, the mind was like, "It's okay if you walk." You know, this is a team race. Like everybody's here. It's okay. Like, you know, just walk for a little bit, regroup. You know, there's plenty of other races you're doing this year, right? This is early on in the in the run. But there, that was there's that part that's like keeping you safe. This yes. is when the ego comes in the front door and goes, it's okay. Everybody's here. You'll be able to cheer people on. Go ahead and walk. And then get. And then, like five minutes after you cross that finish line, it will come in the back door and beat the hell out of you for walking. So this is where two things happen. I love that. Okay. Thanks for explaining that. That's that's key. Because the, the thoughts of me walking were, were, in, were seconds. But you still seconds. had them. That's the thing. I still like, had them. Yep. So how did and I you work? Will. So how did I work with them? Well, yes. immediately after that, five to six seconds, maybe, it was like I am not walking at all. I'm not going to walk the aid stations. I'm not walking the aid stations, and I'm not going to look at my watch at the pace anymore. So those two definitive things were set in my mind. So it went from I'm getting goosebumps here. So it went from a sense of like I'm going to walk and yeah <laughs> to like I'm not walking and I'm going to run as hard as I can, even if I blow up, and I'm not going to look at my watch. So am I? Am I doing what I tell my athletes, which is be your best on the day? Be your best today, whatever that best is. It, 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 it ranges from many different things. So I quickly shifted to that. I didn't look at my watch. I didn't stop at any of the aid stations. I ran through. I was pouring you know, what, empty cups of water on my head because you know, by the time you grab them, sometimes it's like a quarter of an inch of water. And I missed, and so I would miss it and just not get the water. So you just keep going. And I just kept moving until I couldn't run anymore. And, um, and more, more often than not in those instances, I'm able to pick it back up, but just so happens in this race, I had a few more of those moments. So I was feeling good and then I didn't feel good and then I felt good and I didn't feel good. So it just was a, a commitment to myself. I guess the ego jumped in there and was like, no, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna walk the aid stations. You're actually gonna do the opposite. You're gonna go run through all the aid stations, something that you've talked about a lot. And I think the, Ego comes into play super strong on another level when you know people out there who are racing, who are similar to your abilities, and you see them out there, whether they're ahead or behind you. And the ego definitely rises up in those instances, even if you don't have an inkling of what their training look like, they are still in front of you, right? Or they're nearby. So how do you react? And I think the ego definitely shows its face then. Because the ego, so the ego needs you to be better. It's always, it's in comparison energy. So that's a, if you're in comparison energy, 
that girl's bike is way better than mine. She's going to ride faster than me. I should get another bike. Maybe I should have biked longer. Maybe I shouldn't have skipped that long bike on Saturdays. Like 100% in those moments, the lower self has taken over and is living your life for you. Um, and so what BJ just described is the ego and the ego. So the ego coming in saying, oh, it's okay. You deserve to walk. It's all right. But BJ knows he's onto it. He knows like that does not feel aligned because BJ knows who he is because he has sat his butt on that meditation cushion for thousands of hours over the last decade. Um, and so that didn't feel right to him. Then the ego came back and it goes, oh, nah, nah, I am running every aid station. I am, uh, so it like comes, it comes alive again, but it's now it's moving in the direction that BJ desires. So he's like, okay, I'm going with it, but know that that is the ego too. So that's why the ego is not your enemy, but if you're not onto its calling cards, so it needs you to be better than or less than. It needs a victim. It needs a victimizer. It needs an antagonist, a protagonist. It, it needs all of these things. And on top of it, the lower self untrained lives through the senses. So it lives through what it sees, what it smells, what it hears, what it tastes, and what it touches. And it believes that that is the, all that is real, that all that exists. And when you practice meditation, you tap into something else, this um, underlying reality that is infinite and unchanging. And that is something that BJ has tapped into. So when you have a relationship with that part of yourself, and it can even just be like just noticing that pause between your breath, you'll notice that there's a calm space in there. And to whatever degree Melissa has cultivated that relationship Without that cultivation of that relationship to calmness or your true nature or that infinite underlying reality, whatever we want to call it, you will never be able to discern when the ego is hurting or helping you. So before we discovered this unchanging underlying infinite reality that is under all of nature and at the essence of all human beings and animals and life on this earth, we were living our life through the eyes of the ego. So how can you discern the ego when you're when it's all you know? And this is an ego world. So, um, so the time that she just spent in all that meditation is going to just reward her and pay her big dividends when she gets back to training and racing. Now, something that I, I alluded to earlier about like the ego, like, oh, I see you, you know, but I don't live that way anymore. The way I harness the ego or where, and really where, I don't, I don't have to do a, honestly, I don't have to do a lot of work with it anymore. I, I just don't. Um, and that's kind of a nice thing, knowing that that's coming to anybody's future who is, deciding that they're going to live with their eyes awake, you know, and not sleeping anymore. But when I first started it, I remember meditator Bob telling me, because I would always have a session with him right before a race, and it was before Ironman Lake Placid. And it was 2012, and that Ironman was like, that was brutal. They're all brutal, right? But like I had an eight-hour bike that day. And um, before the race, he said to me, Get all your faculties going in the in the same direction. Be the leader of your mind. And I was like, all right. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I remember being on the back side of that course by Whiteface and being like, okay, all right. Because I, I actually wrote a blog post about this and it should be on the Yogi Triathlete website. If it is, I'll put it, a link to it in the show notes. But there was this point on the second loop of the bike where I was riding and I saw the ditch and it was like really jagged rocks. And I thought to myself, well, I could just swerve and go into that ravine, probably get hurt, and they'd pull me off the course because I can't quit. There's ego right there. I couldn't quit, which is a great quality of athletes. Like for me, it would have taken an injury, you know, or a bike crash to come off that course. 
or I can get my faculties going in the right direction because I'm in mental chaos right now and I can, I can just move forward knowing I'm going to have an eight-hour bike. And, uh, and I remember in that moment, I was like, all right, everybody, listen up. <laughs> like Reasoning, perspective, memory, ego, um, you know, intelligence, intellect, everybody. I need everybody moving forward. I need everybody to follow me. I am in charge. We are going to take it pedal stroke by pedal stroke, and we are going to finish this bike ride. We are not going to give up. We are not going to ride our bike into a dish, a ditch. Everybody get in line. We're moving forward. And so for me, like the verbal, like verbalizing it has always helped me. And I just imagined all my little soldiers getting in line and me being the leader and leading my mind that day. And that was like a game changing experience for me. So, but the only way I could do that was I woke up in the middle of that mental chaos. And you, you got to be there for it. You have to be there for it. Meaning you got to participate in those, engage, not engage with the thoughts, but be aware of those thoughts and then interrupt them. That's the only time that you can actually do anything with it. Otherwise, like your environment is going to default to what's comfortable. It's going to do what it always does. And because it's, it's a least traffic or at least resistant pathway. And it's going to keep going that way until you pump the brakes and, and get in, get in there. And through that meditation practice Melissa's doing, that's creating that pause as brief as it can be to interrupt that, that pattern. Yeah. She's creating a lot of strength to bring back to it. Um, but understand you guys, like, when we do triathlon or ultra running or rock climbing or whatever it is that your sport is, sailing, like it's it's requiring a lot of physicality and you're going to break yourself down. So like all these like poor me's and the anger and all this stuff that's kind of been hiding in the corners, like as we break ourselves down through sport... And like we open up, right? Like people really get to know themselves out there. You're, all that stuff is going to rise up. And the only way to get to the other side of it and overcome these things that you no longer desire in your life is to experience them, is to experience them in a new way with an awakened mind. And that's what she's going to bring to it. So Melissa, you have to trust that that is what you're bringing now back to the sport. So, um, and, you know, keep that meditation. And if you're working with a coach, like you guys, if you're working with coaches that don't meditate, that's totally fine. They don't need to meditate, but I highly encourage you, um, to share with them that it's an important piece of your training. Um, and then in that instant, you become the teacher and you don't know what kind of effect that's going to have. It's really amazing. So I've got, I've got athletes who work with, I work with athletes who work with other coaches. They love their coaches. They love the physical training plan and they even love the mental piece that they're getting, but they're not getting the meditation. And I always encourage the athletes to talk to their coach and see, hey, will you put my meditation on my training peaks plan? So then it really becomes that non-negotiable because when you have so much going on and if you're not rock solid in the practice, it will be like the first thing to go. So yeah. So I mean, this is the fast track, right? Bob's talked to us about that. Like being an endurance athlete and meditating and having a desire to be a master of your mind is like you're, you're fast tracking yourself. It's so good, which means the fast track means like it's the accelerated program. So I want to be in the accelerated program. Buckle up. Yeah. Cause there's a big workload in the accelerated program, but like, I don't know, some of you are drooling right now. Like, yeah, I always want to be in the accelerated program. Totally. I get that. It's a good place to be. All right. You think we answered that? We get it all? Yeah. All right, Melissa, let us know if we left anything unturned. Um, I, you know, is it a two-step process? Nope. It's a moment to moment process. Um, and presence, keep deepening that relationship with presence because present in presence, in presence, the ego cannot exist because the ego needs past or future. So when we are purely present, we are, we are, we are free. And there's so many things that you can 
you can strengthen that with. Uh, I think Liz just coach Liz had oh, put yeah, out like today, what? like doing the dishes, putting the dishes away, one plate at a time. Take out the don't clang. Here's the I think I mentioned this before. Like try to empty the dishwasher without making any noise. Like that's a practice. You got to be hyper focused. You have to pick up the plate. You got to make sure you're not hitting anything. Then open the cabinet and put it in. So you're practicing presence. Like it has nothing to do with. It has everything to do with sport triathlon, but it has nothing to do with the physical aspects of triathlon. But you're practicing and training the mind to be hyper focused on what you're doing, why you're doing it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's mastery. All right, let's move into the next question, which is another amazing, awesome question. Okay, this comes from JC. Um, she says, hey, it feels like a bit of a reach to message you, but I've been loving listening to the Yogi Triathlete podcast for the past month. Started at number one and currently at episode 50. Love this wow. woman. Yes, that's so cool. Um, I love when I hear about people who start at one and they just keep going and going and going because like BJ and I were talking about this earlier, JC, I was like, it's so cool that she's doing this because we have grown so much over these 330 something episodes. And so as you start to listen to it, especially if this type of material is kind of new to you, um, you're going to grow with us along those episodes. But um, if you've done 50 episodes in a month, you're on the accelerated, accelerated program. That's at least 50 hours, if not more, <laughs> of listening to us talk. That's a lot. Uh, and she said, and she just had a question. She only had one question. Okay. You mentioned that sometimes your path and energy splits away from people and they start to fall away out of your lives and that's okay. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's tricky. My question is that if those people you feel a complete split from are your parents, what if those people are your parents? For context, I'm 31 and I'm an only child. In spite of a lifelong toxic relationship with my mom in particular, I still struggle with being torn between wanting nothing to do with her and that I need to stand up for my own well-being and feeling a suffocating obligation not to abandon them. I started to make a split away from them in May, but I don't know how far is too far. I'd love to hear your wisdom on this, but if you don't have a chance to respond, of course we have a chance to respond. Thank you so much for the podcast. Love them all. Well, we love you for listening, JC. Thank you, and thank you for sending this question to us. And um, oh my gosh, as soon as I read it, I couldn't wait to get back to you. Because, um, and that's really when I asked you if we could address it on the show, because I think it's, I think it's a really big one. So it could be the mom, it could be the best friend, it could be the brother, it could be, you know, whoever it is. We, we all have these teachers in our life and teachers come in many ways and they can come, teachers can come through being the other person in a very toxic relationship. And so there is something for you to, to learn here, but BJ, I want you to take, take the lead on this one, um, like what, wh- how do you find this balance between like, well, first of all, what if it's your parents and like, how do you, how do you rectify it with this obligation that you should not be doing this because you're their daughter? Yeah. Oblig- so there's two, two things there. Obligation. That's such a huge, it's such a huge thing. It's something I've experienced firsthand, like Growing up, I know you did too, like this obligation to go to church, this obligation to go to CCD, this obligation to um, do the right thing. Um, <laughs> just some in, some obligations that just never resonated with me, you know, like they I always felt like they were forced. And I guess that's an obligation. So your good grandparents give you a present, you got to go right over to them right away and say thank you. Right. It's like, and you got to say it so they can hear it and acknowledge it. And I understand the meaning behind it. You show appreciation and you would be respectful. But it almost became like a super intense um, a super intense uh, checkbox that you had to do. And it just didn't feel right. Um, so how does one get over that? Well, you know, this is the second part where Bob was very instrumental in this, where he was like, you're not strong enough yet. You know, you're not strong enough yet to go back home and visit or to address these things. So you just play the game. Um, and if you can't do that, you don't go. Like you just don't. And this, I'm talking about my personal experience here. I was, there was a time there I just couldn't go and it was okay not to go, um, go back and visit family. But 
Um, when I had eventually developed the tools and patience and done the inner work to sort of, uh, sort of see things from a different light, see it from a perspective of love, right? This love of everyone. They're doing the best they can with the tools that they have. I was able to slowly start to insert myself back into that dynamic. I wasn't strong enough at first. So JC, this may be, um, this may be, uh, you, you may resonate with this a little bit. You know, it, the answer isn't going to be black or white. The answer is going to be how you continually move forward with the things that feel the best for you. And we always have three things, three options. We can engage, we can endure, or we can walk away. And, uh, those are three things to keep in, in mind as you meet up with family. So if you engage in them, expect it to get, you know, a little bit chaotic, a little bit raw, <laughs> a little bit intense. If you endure, expect that you may possibly be able to keep your mouth shut and not say anything, but you're carrying this weight with you. And if you leave, this, leave the situation, you still have that with you. So you're going to have to still process that. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to keep festering down deep. And the next time you go home, it's going to add another layer and another layer. So enduring is not that great either. Or you can walk away. And that's what I did. You got to walk away from the experience for, for a temporary period. Till you're strong enough to be able to come back and address the situations that used to light you up and and get you uh, frustrated or stressed or whatever, and be able to navigate them with a little bit more ease and calm. But that comes through. That comes through experience. It comes through. Well, first of all, it, it comes through getting curious about where your hard lines are. You know, getting curious about that. When you start to drop the hard lines, you start to see an opening there. And um, maybe the perspective you have on particular aspects of the family are true, and maybe some are, are not true. Maybe there's a, there's a window there to kind of, maybe there's some gray area. And you start to open the window as to um, maybe you can find some common ground. And that may be, that may be a huge reach right now. So again, Take time with this process. You know, there is, there is no right or wrong. There is no timeline. It's not like in six weeks you're going to be able to work through this, but always do the best you can and do the thing that feels the best. Cause the feeling I believe is the truth. Um, and like I said, sometimes you're not as strong to start and you got to take that time. I had to step away where you would be like, I'm going back to see my family. And you were like, you know, it didn't bother you. Um, and so I had meaning, a wit- meaning me. Yeah, meaning you, mm-hmm. meaning Jess. Uh, and I had a witness. Yeah, I mean, that. I don't know if it didn't bother me, but I remember <laughs> that day, like Bob, BJ and I do our sessions together, and Bob's like pointing through the screen, the Zoom call, and he's like, "You, you're not going back east." And he points at me, he goes, "You, you're going back east." And I was like, "Why? Why do I have to go?" And he's like, "Because you need to go." I, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I just trust what he says and. You know, so I got to, uh, I got to work. We all get to work through this stuff, you guys. Family is, um, man, that is like some really, really deep roots in our path, um, you know, in this life and, you know, beyond and before, quite frankly. So BJ really touched upon something that is not really to be taken personal, but just like this kind of, this recognition, like, yeah, I'm not, you're not strong enough right now to be with them. You're not strong enough right now. And what does strong mean? Strong means that you're healing. You have healed the hurts within you that are the other half of this toxic relationship. It truly is like everything is energy and there's alignment. So there's something there. And let me, I promise you, I've been in toxic relationships myself and they are painful. And we just want to like, we want that answer to say, okay, I'm going to cut the tie and then I'm done, but you're not done because there's something really deep here to heal. So, um, so first 100% permission to take care of yourself because as you care for yourself, you're going to get stronger. And I promise you, if you work with the stuff that you find inside, and I'm going to give you some tools, that your relationship around this relationship is going to change drastically. 
And your parents, your mom may never change, but the way that you relate to her will be the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced in your life. And that's all, I can just tell you that through experience, but that's not how you're going to experience it. You're only going to experience it through your experience, not me telling you about mine. So um, take your space, but in that space, if you're ready, do the work. So a really wonderful, um, first of all, I'll just give you the whole book, Byron Katie, Loving What Is. Total game changer in my life, completely transformed a toxic relationship in my life um, that is still in my life today and love, love, love this relationship in a new and expanded way that I never even thought possible because of one of the exercises in Byron Katie's book, which is Judge Thy Neighbor. So you would take like, you would take your mom (laughs) and you would get a piece of notebook paper and you would judge, you would just judge her, like just let it rip. It's okay. You got to release the suppression. Let it rip. Then you take like three or five statements and you do the turnaround, which is, um, you like on on my list, I remember a couple of things um, like, you know, this person, this person should be nicer. This person, person shouldn't drink as much. And I remember doing that turnaround being like, I shouldn't drink as much. And I think at that time I was having like, you know, good three, maybe plus. I remember a couple of nights like, you know, missing my mouth with the toothbrush. And that was like normal, like having a little bit of a buzz going to bed. And it was at this time and I was just beginning to be um, a yoga teacher. And um, this that really hit me like I shouldn't drink that much. And then like I should be kinder. Because I was still being, I was still indulging very negative thoughts about myself, or being in that comparison energy that we were just talking about with uh, with Melissa's question. And so then, um, what we do is we begin to recognize that these things that we're seeing in other people are really unhealed hurts within ourselves. And so now we've got something to work with. Because then I realized like, okay, let me look at this relationship I have with wine. Let me look at this relationship I have with negative thoughts and self-criticism. And then she's got a whole bunch of other exercises in there, which are amazing on how to deal with these thoughts. Like, is this thought true, right? How do I know it's true? Is there a stress-free reason to keep this thought? This book is amazing. If you really put the time in, I think it'll be a game changer. And then... um this is a super important discernment too, is that let's say, and and I don't know any of the details about this relationship. And so I'm not picking on your mom, but let's say there is behavior that your mom is doing is that is not kind. That is not okay. That is not okay. This work doesn't mean that the way that people act is okay. It's not okay. And so when the behavior is not okay, you need to distance yourself from it because environment is stronger than your will. But who your mom is, is not that toxic behavior. She is that infinite, unchanging, underlying reality of all things. Your mom is the light of the world. She is the same essence as me. You are the same essences as me. We are all connected through this beautiful, powerful energy of unconditional love, which allows for suffering and toxicity so that we may evolve as beings. And your mom's playing a really critical role in your evolution. If you are awake, this will be one of the most magnificent things you've ever traversed in your life. So it's important to see the person in their true nature and not their behavior. But at the same time, behaviors, if the behavior is not okay, that's fine. It's fine that it's not okay. You don't have to make behavior okay, but get your distance and make sure you're safe and, and get, get into an environment that is going to be conducive for your healing and release the timeline release the timeline about how long you've been away from them, how, you know, when you need to come, just release the timeline. You'll know, you'll know. Um, I highly recommend a meditation practice if you're not meditating, be super helpful. Um, And then the other thing that I will share, uh, which is such an amazing 
prayer and mantra. A lot of people around the world know it. It's the Ho'oponopono prayer, which is to make things right again. And it is a series of statements that you say. And um, so it's H-O apostrophe O-Pono O-Pono. H-O apostrophe O-P-O-N-O O-P-O-N-O. Ho'oponopono. And it goes, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And so you hold your mom in your awareness and you say that to her five times. You say it to yourself three times. And you feel those sentences. Don't just task them out. Feel them. In If you're in a situation and you're with her and the toxicity is rising and you feel yourself getting caught up in it, ho'oponopono. When you think of your parents and you feel that obligation and you feel guilty, ho'oponopono, like ho'oponopono all over this thing. Um, there's an incredible backstory to the ho'opono prayer. Uh, it's an ancient Hawaiian prayer. And so you can look that up uh, online. And, and certainly if you want to talk more, you can always reach out to us. But I think those are two extremely good tools. And um, yeah, anything else, Beach, on that? I don't think so. I think, no, I think those are good. I was going to say peace and harmony, which is just a quicker kind of sending love out. Oh, yeah. Tell her that one. Just the peace, just because it's shorter. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I use it nonstop when I'm on my long bike rides because I see carnage on the road all the time, you know, and for me, it creates a sense of like a lost life, you know, like an unfortunate lost life. And it brings up stuff with me when I'm riding. So I just, I send five peace and harmonies to whatever the animal is that's on the road and then three to me. And I just keep working through it until my sensation, my, my feeling has dissipated. Sometimes I have to say it once and I'm on and I'm done. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so important. So say that again, like how does she know if she's doing Ho'oponopono or peace and harmony, how does she know when just, when she's done? For that, yeah, the feeling, for that session. <laughs> the feeling will change. You're not going to be as, it's not going to be such a heightened uh, state of distress or anxiousness or sadness or the, the emotion gets to be more neutral, I would say, because you kind of move on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's important to give that back to yourself. It's always, you know, I give the five to the, the, the the being that's laying there, but I give three back to me because I understand I'm st- I'm part of that too. We're all one, so we're connected. So it's kind of like this passing. Um, I, I see you. I understand where you're at. <laughs> I'm going to keep moving forward. I've got work to do. That could very well be me as well. Yeah, and just keep keep that flow going. So I do peace and harmony. And you feel like you feel the suffering of that animal, like you feel the pain, you feel the loss, like that's the interconnectedness mm-hmm. that you're feeling. And so we can't create or tr- destroy energy, but we can transform it. And I remember I asked Bob, I said, Bob, what is all the, where does all this frustration go that I'm processing, like and letting go of? And he says it transmutes back to love. And I was like, what? That's amazing. Like I get to be the catalyst to transmute anger. Into love. Into love. Judgment, separation, into love. So know that when we do these practices and we do them until we feel, like BJ said, we feel calm again, that you've transmuted that energy back to its source. It's incredibly powerful. But you got to be willing to feel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the... That's the um, the hook. And you can loop this back to Melissa's question with training. Like when you feel sensation, when you feel that nervousness and anxiousness on the swim and you're focusing onto a mantra or something that's happening now, eventually that's going to move away because you're back into flow and you didn't pause or stop or, or, or yeah, or stop in the swim. You just kept going. You you worked through it while you were doing the activity. Yeah. So that's where it benefits as an athlete. And if we look at these two questions, like Melissa and JC, like they're the work is the same, ladies. The work is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just you're applying it to whatever Melissa's learning it through triathlon. JC is learning it through her parents, and I'm sure there's other areas in their life that they will also be able to. Uh, apply these things and and reap the rewards of them. Uh, so yeah, you can see kind of 
It doesn't matter what the external situation is or who's in the relationship or whether that relationship is with triathlon or with a sibling. The work is always the same. That's what's so cool about it. Just keep applying the same thing and everything in your life is going to change and get better. But you got to feel it. You got to like be willing to walk over the coals. You got to be willing to have a dark night of the soul because you will. You absolutely will have those things. But they're there to help you clear yourself of whatever it was that drew you into that situation to begin with. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Thanks so much for the questions. Thanks so much, Beach, for weighing in yeah. with your wisdom. Yeah. They're deep questions. And I'm glad I can share perspective. I'm glad I'm open to it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Like you see you guys next month with the Osho. We're off to Maui and Maui, then we're going to Kona. Kona. And then we'll will this launch Sick. before St. George? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is gonna launch in like two weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um so yeah. Let us know if you're gonna be in Kona. We'd love to see you. I think there's if that coffee boat's still there, I'm going to be swimming out to that thing every single morning. So that's where I'll be. All right. Costa Rica, if you're interested, Costa Rica retreat is May 13th through the 20th, 2023. Um, and then um, our training camp is open for registration January 12th to the 16th. Yeah. Here in Carlsbad, Those dates California. Are tricky. Those dates are tricky. Yeah. 12th to the 16th, 13th to the 20th. Um, here in Carlsbad, California. So come on out to sunny SoCal in January. It's going to be so awesome. All right. Peace. Peace.